Thank you, Brian. It, it truly is an honor to be with you this morning. And, and uh, as I was praying with Brian and Clint this morning, uh, I was truly just kind of overwhelmed and just thankful that God has blessed Valdosta with so many great pastors and men like Brian and Will and Joby and the guys here, uh, but also some great churches. So Primitive Road, we look at you as a partner uh, in the gospel. I work at Cross Point Church here in town. I'm the student pastor there. Uh, but my wife and I and our journey is about to change in the next few months uh, because God has called us to uh, move to Boston, Massachusetts to plant a church. So yes, that is crazy, but that's what God has called us to do. And we're going to be faithful to that call. And I'll share a little bit more about that uh, as we dive into God's word, but it truly is an honor to be with you this morning. And I know many of you and, and you guys are faith family. Uh, we're all kingdom minded. And so that's what I love about Brian and the guys here. So I just want to say thank you for allowing me to come to share uh, something that's very dear to my heart and my wife's heart. Um, it's this idea of orphan care, this idea of adoption or foster care. And I tr truly believe it's near and dear to my heart, but I, I really believe it's really near and dear to God's heart. If you go through God's word, there's a, over 2,000 verses in God's word that deal with the orphan, the oppressed, the forgotten. And so I believe God has a huge heart for the orphans of this world. And so my prayer for us this morning as we press into God's word that we would see that. And uh, Clint even said it uh, right before one of the songs, this idea of compassion. This idea of compassion would be pressed on us and it would lead us into action. So if you have God's word, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter seven. We're gonna be in verses 11 through 17. And this story is probably maybe a familiar story to those who've, who maybe grown up in church, but it's not one of those passages that you typically run to when you think about adoption, foster care, or orphan care. But as I was praying about what to share with you this morning, God just led me straight to this passage. And I want us to see Jesus's compassion here for a son, Jesus's compassion for a mother. And may that compassion compel us, stir us to be men and women of compassion, to be men and women of action. So Luke 7, verses 11 through 17, it says this. Soon afterward, he, meaning Jesus, went to a town, town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bearer, and the bearer stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. So I want to share with you three truths from this passage that deal with this idea of compassion. And the first truth is this, compassion begins with action. That's what we see in verse 13 and 14. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. He said, do not weep. And then he came and touched the bearer and the bearer stood still. Compassion is seeing the suffering of others, but then taking action to help. 
So compassion is, yes, we're, we're acknowledging, we're seeing. Yes, there's this something that needs our care over here, but it's not just stopping with seeing it, it's doing something about it. Compassion is seeing the suffering of others and then taking action towards it. We see Jesus doing this. He could have kept on walking. Jesus was a busy guy. He had a lot of things that was on his plate. But you see him coming with this great crowd and this other great crowd that's bringing out this dead son. And Jesus, in the middle of it all, he stops and does the miraculous. And so as I think about that, Jesus steps into our hurt. He didn't allow his busyness or his convenience stop him from seeing the hurt that was all around him. And so when we think of this idea of foster care or orphan care or adoption, I want, I want just to let you know a few things about it. First is there's 143 million orphans in the world today. I know that number is staggering. It's honestly heartbreaking when we think about it. So the idea of orphan meaning they have either lost one of their parents or they're a social orphan where the, the parents aren't fit to be parents. So there's 143 million orphans in the world today. In the United States, there's 428,000 children in foster care. 428,000 children in foster care. If you think about it, there's about 100,000 people that live in Lowndes County. And I was thinking about it, that's four Lowndes counties. Everybody that you could ever see in this area, that's four of them. That's how many children that are in foster care. And roughly of those 428,000, over 100,000 of them are already available to adopt. Meaning they're, they're waiting for a family to bring them in. And I love football, I love Georgia football, and I was watching the game yesterday, and, and I was just seeing just how many people are at that stadium, and it seats about 85, 90,000 people. And I was just going back to this thought, that's how many kids that are just waiting for a family to say, we love you, come be a part of our family. And then if we kind of even hone in a little more, you look at the state of Georgia, there's 15,000 children in the foster care system of Georgia. And then you hone in even more in Lowndes County, there's 160 children in our own county that are in the foster care system. And when you hear all those numbers, uh, like I said, it can be heartbreaking, it can be overwhelming. And I've been asked, so Gabe, what can we do? And my, it's a very simple response is to start with one, to start with one. Maybe one family bringing in one child, or if you think about this, there's over 160 churches in South Georgia. So even if one church decided to bring in one child, all the children in, in our area would be taken care of. Start with one. Because compassion is seeing the suffering of others and taking action to help. It's more than acknowledgement, it's action. When you truly say you love someone, yes, you can confess it with your mouth, but you see it in their deeds, in their actions. If I say I love my wife, and I just tell her I love her all the time, but I never do anything she says, do I love my wife? Every married woman here is like, no, you don't. Because <laughs> we love with our actions, love is a verb. So you might be saying, okay, Gabe, so what can I do? 
What can I do? I just want to list out a few things, just a ways that you can help out with this, with orphan care and foster care. And the first one is this, you can just start the adoption process. I know many of you have been praying through that and say, man, I would love to help out in bringing a child that's not mine into my family. So start that process, reach out to an agency, really start taking those steps. Maybe it's taking the step of foster care and I wanna share more about it. That's our journey, my wife and my journey of foster care, starting those classes, getting trained so that you can be a foster parent. Even in that foster care process, maybe you're like, man, I don't know if our family can handle it. We're already that crazy family with a white van and 12 kids, you know? So you might be saying, well, we would love just to bring in a kid maybe for a night. So it's respite care where you can just love on a child for a night or a week so they can find a good home for them. Maybe it's, supporting the local defects office and providing them. Maybe it's helping out with Camp Rock and loving on the 800 orphans that are gonna be there. Maybe it's being a voice for the voiceless. Maybe it's sharing a certain story or maybe it's going along a certain family that is going through that process and loving them. I'll never forget the, the night that we got the two children I'll share about in a minute into our home. When we got home, there was a crib there was a bumbo. I don't even know if you know what that is. It's a weird chair, moldy thing that they sit in. They can't move at our doorstep. And so we had so many from our church and even this church come to our help. And so being a part of other people's stories is huge. Sponsoring children through organizations like Compassion or other orphan networks. Being there to hurt a, help a hurting family. There are families that all of us know that are going through tough times and being willing to step in and to help them. Maybe it's offering parenting classes or maybe offering a single mom to come over and watch how you parent your own children. Maybe it's just starting with prayer. And I wanna challenge everyone, the very least you can do is to pray. I was overwhelmed with this idea of praying for, for children, especially foster care children and the orphans of this world two weeks ago. Uh, we had a very big transition in our story two weeks ago and I was driving to work and I got 10 texts in about a five minute period. And every one of those texts said, Gabe, Callie, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your children. Gabe, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your children. And I was going down Bemis and I honestly started crying as I was driving, because I was just so overwhelmed that people were praying for us, but more importantly, praying for my kids. I pray for my children every day, but these hundreds of people have been praying for our children. And so maybe that's something you can step into today, saying, hey, I'm going to pray for that child that might never be prayed for. We all have a part to play in this. This idea of orphan care isn't a suggestion God commands us to take care of the widows and the orphans. We all have a part to play in this. So I wanna challenge you to take your next step in helping take care of the orphan. Because compassion without action, it's not compassion, it's apathy. Compassion without any life change or any action is apathy. Four years ago, my wife and I started talking about this idea of foster care. 
Now, we've been married almost eight years, and even when we were dating, we talked about, man, we would love to adopt someday. Man, we would love to do this, and maybe adopt a little boy from China. You know, just these things that God just kind of stirred on our hearts. And I remember even going to church conferences and, and seeing compassion videos and orphan videos and literally sitting at a table crying in tears, and we'd talk about it. But that's all it was. We would just talk about it. And four years ago, as I was... Uh, working with some college students, we had this one girl in our college ministry come up to me in Cali and we were pretty close to her. And, and one day she just said, I wish I would have had parents like you. And we stopped her and we're like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I've never had a family. And so we started pressing in on that. And she was like, yeah, I grew up in the foster care system and I'm at school here, but I've never had a family. I just, I see you guys and how you love each other. I just wish I would have had a family like yours. And those words echoed in my mind and I couldn't shake it. Me and Callie, we couldn't shake it. And so we started really praying about foster care. So then we started the foster care process and doing the training and the classes. And we went through that whole process. And then we get the call about, hey, now that you're done, do you want to bring in children in your family? And we're like, yes, let's do this. And so we've actually had 10 children come and live in our home and be a part of our family and seven, or actually eight of those have moved on to other families or other people that love them in their lives. But three years ago, we got a call. And we actually took a little time off from foster care just to allow our hearts to heal a little bit. But three years ago, we got a call about a two-year-old girl and a three-month-year-old boy. And so, of course, we're like, all right, let's do the spiritual thing. Let's pray about it, even though we knew we were going to say yes because that's what God commanded us to do. So, so we prayed about it, and at 3.30, we called DFACS back and said, yes, we would love to take these two children in our home. Because they'd let us know, hey, this is going to be a longer process with these two. And then, so then immediately, I was like, all right, so what do we need to do? Well, we're going to be at your house in an hour. All right, that's a lot of prep time. So I freak out a little bit, hang up the phone, drive to Publix, and then I'm just kind of frantically running down the aisles back and forth. Like, what does a two, three-month-old need? He needs formula. I don't even know what kind of formula. Diapers. What kind of diapers? I don't know. And so I'm just kind of throwing things in. Do they drink juice boxes? What is this? And I'm calling Callie. She has no idea either. So we're just, you know, kind of freaking out. And I run into one of my good friends at Publix. And he's like, Gabe, what's wrong? He's like, you look like you're about to throw up. You look sick. I'm like, because I am. We did, we're about to have a two-year-old two and a three-month-old at our house, and I have no idea even how to change a diaper. Like, this is going to be terrible. And I was just visibly sick. And, and I remember as I was going up and down the aisles, I was like, God, I need your help. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know what this is going to be like. Uh, God, we, we just don't know. There's so many unknowns. How long are they going to stay with us? We'll be able to adopt one day. We, we had no idea what we're getting into. And I remember walking out of that Publix. And you can go ahead and show the, the picture for it. It's the first picture. And as I was walking out to my car, to my Jeep, and putting things in, as I'm praying to God, I look up. And I see these two rainbows. And I know at that moment, God was saying, Gabe, trust me. Gabe, I am sovereign. I've called you to this. Don't you know I am faithful? And I just remember all that stress, all that worry, all that, God, we don't know how this is going to play out. Is this going to hurt us? Is this going to ruin our lives? God was saying, trust me. You preach that I'm sovereign. 
Now trust that I'm sovereign. And so we, I knew from that moment on that it was in God's hands. And so the two little ones show up at our house. They were hardened. Uh, the two-year-old literally would flinch every time I just got near her. It took her almost a month for me just to allow her to sit next to me and put my arm around her. Both of them have experienced major trauma in their life. But we don't regret one of those days. Out of our th almost three years of walking with these children, there's not one day that we regret. And just like we got to sing earlier, God, whether you give or take away, we're still gonna praise you. And that's how we had to live and we still live this open-handed life. And honestly, it's been such a blessing. I just wanna show you a picture of my family. You can do the next one. Because if we didn't take that first step of faith, we wouldn't be able to celebrate this moment where Leigh, who is four, and Jordan, who is three, uh, and two weeks ago, we actually got the news that it went from the foster care side of things to the adoption side of things. So yeah, you, I'm, we celebrate that, yeah. And so Lord willing, in the next few months, we'll actually be able to adopt them and they'll be a, a permanent part of our family. And we're just so excited about what God is doing. And we experienced a lot of ups and downs in this process. A lot of nights of fears, can't even sleep, a lot of nights of worries, a lot of tears. But God has been faithful every step of the way. And I, I truly believe this call of, to act on this compassion that we had for orphans has led to other steps of faith. Because when, you, when you're obedient in those small, ordinary tasks, that's when God starts to give you bigger tasks to be faithful with. And like I got to share earlier, like we know God has called my wife and I to move to Boston and to church plant. And I truly believe if we weren't faithful in this and taking care of these children, we wouldn't have been faithful to answer the call to go. So faith family, as you start taking those steps of faith, I truly believe that as you take it, God's gonna remain faithful and he's gonna give you more steps of faith along your journey. Because compassion begins with action. The second truth I want you to see is this. Compassion leads to life change. Compassion leads to life change. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. First off, we can all relate to the story because we are all the dead son. Every one of us in here is the dead son. We are all on our funeral procession in this world and it is Jesus and Jesus alone that says, stop, stop that funeral procession. I'm gonna come up to your coffin and I'm gonna say, arise. Church, this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He's saying, I'm gonna take your death so you don't have to taste death. This is what our glorious God does for us, saying, I'm gonna take on your shame, your guilt, your punishment. I'll take the sting of death so that you don't have to taste it. So all of us are like this son until Jesus comes in and says, arise. This is the beauty of adoption. This is the beauty of adoption that we see in God's word, that we were not a part of his family, and now we are a part of his family. So if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, we can all resonate with this idea of adoption because this is exactly what our God has done for us. We were not his own, but now he calls us his own. He calls us sons and daughters. 
And I truly believe physical adoption in this world is one of the greatest megaphones for the gospel. Because it points to, to exactly what Jesus did for us. Where you're gonna bring children that aren't your own, that aren't part of your blood, that aren't a part of your family and say, you know what? We're gonna bring you into our home and we're gonna love you like you're our own. That's the picture of the gospel. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. And he calls us, the church, to step into the funeral procession of others. We're called to step in to where others are going down this road and be the megaphone of the gospel to stop that funeral procession. And adoption shouts the good news of the gospel. That you were once lost and now you're found and that our God comes after you. But we see here life change is messy and miraculous. Life change is messy and miraculous. Jesus steps into this funeral procession. I, I just can picture the scene that these two crowds are going and Jesus steps into this. He stops a funeral. You just don't do that. That's not socially acceptable for you just to be like, oh, hold on, let's stop this real quick. But Jesus does. And then he not only does that, he goes and talks to the mother who is weeping and grieving. There's a lot of mess that he enters into right here. But through the mess, Jesus can perform miracles. And we see life change happen here. So why would Jesus step into the mess? So that he can change lives. So why am I here today? Why, why encourage you and challenge you to do orphan care? so you can change lives. And no, we might not be able to affect the 143 million, but we can affect the one. Your family can affect the one. Your church can affect the one. I remember our very first child that came into our home. She was 12 years old and we found out that she's never been to a movie never gone and ate pizza at a pizza restaurant. So we're like, well, we know what we're doing tonight. We went down to the mill, ate as much pizza as you could possibly eat. And then we went and saw a movie. And we just had the best night hanging out with her. And on the way home, my wife started sharing with her the gospel, talking to her about how much God loves her and that Jesus died for her. And she even asked, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And she said, yes, I do. And as we're driving home and we're about to pull into our neighborhood, we softly hear a song starting to come from her in the back seat. She starts to sing, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, though I'm weak, he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And me and my wife, we're doing that ugly crying face, you know? Literally, we were crying and trying not to make a sound and just tears were coming down because this 12-year-old girl we just met knows that her father loves her. Her life was super messy. But Jesus steps into the mess to perform the miraculous. And Jesus calls us to step into the mess to perform the miraculous. I love this quote by Foster, from Foster the Family. It says this, if I'm afraid so a child feels safe, if I cry so a child learns to smile, if I give of myself so a child learns to receive, 
if I die a little inside, so a child comes to know the one who died, then it is all worth it. It's worth it. Because me and my wife, we, we talk to a lot of families and be like, man, I, I, that's so awesome in what you do, but I don't think I could do that. Is we hear two kind of things. I just don't know if I'm called to that or I, I don't think we can do that. And the other thing we hear is, man, I would love those kids so much, it'd just be too painful to let them go. And I smile and I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I, and I also respond, then you're probably perfect for foster care then. If you say you're gonna love those kids so much it might hurt a little to let them go, that's exactly who they need. They need someone that's gonna love them and be a faith family for them and to point them to Jesus. And I challenge them with a second thought. Don't let the possibility of your future pain stop you from loving someone in their present pain. Church, may we hear this truth. May we not allow the possibility of future pain stop us from loving someone in their present pain. Those two children that you got to see, they did nothing wrong, but they were hurting. They were longing for a family to love them. And yes, there've been many tears through our journey. Honestly, we thought we were going to lose them and we had to come to grips saying, God, if they're not gonna be ours, we're okay with that and we're gonna still march on, we're gonna still do this because this is what you called us to and you're good and your grace is sufficient in every moment. But we're not gonna allow the possibility of future pain stop us from loving someone in their present pain. Why? Because it is, because it is worth it. The last thing I want you to see about compassion is this. Compassion ends in the glory of God. Compassion ends in the glory of God. So we see compassion begins with action. It leads to life change and it ends with the glory of God. Look at verse 16 and 17. It says this, fear sees them all. Jesus just raised the dead. That's some crazy stuff. The, the miraculous just happened. Fear sees them all and they glorify God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. We live for the glory of God when we fear him above man. When we fear him above our own feelings. When we fear him above what other people might think of us when we bring a kid that doesn't look like us in our home. We fear him over what our culture might say of bringing a child that's a different race into our home. We can fear our own feelings over fearing God. We can fear how it might mess our own family up and our own dynamic instead of fearing God. We might fear the unknown instead of fearing God. But when you really look at this idea of fearing God, yes, it's this holy reverence and this being like, God, you are God and we are not. This idea of fear God actually comes from the Greek word of awe. That awe where you just see God and you're like, whoa, you're just in awe. And, I, and the only way I can kind of describe that is like when I remember the first time I saw my wife on our wedding day. So, you know, they do those pictures and it's one of those things, all right, you stand over here and you're just kind of facing the wall and they're taking pictures behind you, showing your bald spot and you're like, great, I'll never use that picture. And then so I'm standing there and then all of a sudden they're like, all right, now turn around, now turn around. And there's my wife in this beautiful white dress and she's just glowing and beaming. And it's one of those, like, I couldn't say a word. I turned around, I was like, oh, 
That's that breath. And when you see God for that first time and know who he is, your breath is almost taken away. That's what the fear of God is for us, that we're in awe of who he is. And when we see God clearly, what we see here is that we can praise God clearly because the fear of God leads to the praise of God. I love thinking about God as the lion of Judah. And if you call yourself a Christian or follower of Christ, that means the lion is on your side. If the lion's not on your side, you have everything to fear. But when the lion is on your side, we fear being outside of his presence. So that's how we should look at the fear of God here. And that leads to the praise of God. The people were worshiping Jesus. In our journey through orphan care, I've worshiped God more deeply than I ever have before. Because it's taught me to trust. This whole journey, I couldn't, we couldn't control it, we couldn't manipulate it. Is one of those we had to say, God, we love these children like they're our own. And gosh, we're praying every day that they can be a part of our family. But I can't live each day under this weight. So God, I'm just going to cast all my burdens, all my anxieties, all my cares on you. And I'm going to worship you. And you think about that's what worship is. So often this is how we worship. We come into church, we come into worship very closed fists. We're, we're, we have our whole lives wringing out our hands in worry, but true worship is letting go. It's letting go. It's having open hands saying, God, I'm letting go of all these things. I'm putting them at your altar because I know you are good. I know you are sufficient. I know you are sovereign. And then it's also receiving his good gifts. That's why we raise our hands in worship. God, I'm giving and I'm receiving. And so we see this playing out here in Luke 7. The fear of God led to the praise of God and that ultimately led to the spreading of the name of God. And all that is for his glory. We see in verse 17, and this report about Jesus spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding countries. When we fear him, when we worship him, we will take the message of the gospel outside of these walls into our homes and into our families. And I think nothing shouts that louder than orphan care, than adoption, than bringing those that aren't of our own into our home. I wanna close with a story. Right before we got Lay and Jordan, we had two other children in our home for about four to five months. And these were two beautiful children. Uh, one was four years old, the other one was two years old as a, a sister and a brother. And about the third month, we got a call from DFACS and they were saying, hey, the grandma really wants to try to get these children. And we're like, okay, that's, that's great. And we wanted to love to meet the grandma and that type of thing. And so as that next month went on, uh, the grandma was able to get her home ready and, and was able to take care of these two beautiful children. And I'll never forget that day that we go into our driveway and the girl who's four is clinging to my wife saying, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you. I want to stay here. You're fighting back tears just knowing that, man, we would love just to love on these kids the rest of our lives. And you buckle them in their car seats and put them in and you close the door. And then me and my wife, we turn around, we go inside. We couldn't even look back. We're like, all right, this is too painful. We walk in, we sit on our couch. And I tell you, church, we just started weeping. We just started crying because we love those kids so much. 
Fast forward three months. We get a call from the grandmother. And the grandma is talking to Callan. She's like, every day, the little girl who's four talks about you. Every day, she asks, Grandma, we need to pray. And she wanted to let us know that every night they pray for us, they pray for themselves, and then also that they're going to church regularly. And the grandma then goes into how she was going through such a dark time and how now that those two little children who we were able just to have for four months, love on them, pray over them, they were at church every time we were at church, go to this grandmother. Now the grandma has recommitted her life to Jesus. Fast forward another year. We get a call from the grandmother. The mom is finally out of jail. She's actually been clean for six months and she is now reunited with her grandchildren or with her children. And the beautiful thing about that, the the grandma's like, the story gets even better. She goes to church with us every Sunday. She's part of a Celebrate Recovery and she now knows Jesus. Because when you are faithful to bring in children, when you're faithful to take that step of faith, when you're faithful to fear God, worship God, the name of God spreads. I would have never thought us just being obedient, taking in two little children that day would have led to their grandmother's rededication of her life and then the mother's salvation. But that's what our God does. He steps into the mess and he performs the miraculous. So my heartbeat for everyone here is that you would take a step of compassion. Because true compassion can't just sit there. True compassion must have action. So church, what is your next step? What is your next step of compassion? Maybe it's some of you to come down to this altar and just to pray. Maybe pray for your own children. Maybe praying for a hurting family. Maybe it's praying for the 143 million children that are orphans today. Or maybe it's something that you've been wrestling with this thought and you've just got some fears or anxieties. Maybe you want to come talk to one of the pastors or I'll be down here. I would love to talk to you and pray with you. Or maybe your next step is just saying, hey, I'm going to financially help. Maybe I know this family that's going to go through this adoption process. I just want to help with that. I don't know what your next step is, but we're all called to take the next step with our compassion in this journey of faith. So let's pray. Father God, I'm just so thankful for this time just to share your word. God, I'm just so thankful that you are a God that loves us. God, that you sent Jesus to step into our mess, to step into our sin, to take our place on the cross. And not only did you just satisfy the wrath of God, but you call us sons and daughters. God, we are co-heirs with Christ in you, Father. So God, we thank you for adopting us, redeeming us. Father, I lift up the millions of children right now that don't have a mother or a father to point them to you. Father, I pray that the church would stand up And we'd say, we will love them. We will disciple them. We will care for them. Father, for the the 
couples that are in here that have this heartbeat for adoption and foster care and God that are, are honestly just scared. Father, I pray that you would take away all the fear. Father, that today they would just open their arms and worship and it'd just be a, a, a sign saying, God, I trust you. God, I don't know how this is gonna end. God, I don't know how this will go, but God, I trust you. Father, I'm so thankful for my two little children. And Father, I pray for all the children here at Primitive Road, God, that they would know you. God, that you would call them by name and they would follow you all the days of their life. Father, I'm so thankful for this church. God, I'm so thankful for what they're doing in this community. Father, I lift up Pastor Brian and their leadership. God, I pray that you would give them a zeal for your glory, a passion for the lost. And God, you would use this church to build your kingdom here and throughout the world. In your holy name I pray, amen.